The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Good morning. It's always interesting how Father Nicholas gives me uh, the prodigal son almost every time for some reason. And he gives me the gathering demoniac. And I mean, there, there, there's a list of them. There, there's actually a list of them that he habitually gives to me. I, I don't know why. Well, if, if I was to, uh, and I, I, I don't normally give titles to homilies when I'm thinking about them, but if I was to give a title to this, which, which I heard this week, it would be, uh, what has this prodigal learned about our Father in heaven from my Father on earth? In the months since my father and mother died, I have turned down their old street, past their old place, countless times, and I have wished that I could be at their house for dinner. But that must wait. Someday soon, but not today. When we are here in communion, I know that they are close by. And I am irresistibly drawn to be here in this place because of that. There have been some Sundays where I have wished that I could stay here. Where at the altar at the end, I've said to Father Nicholas, I, I wish I could just stay. It was my Father on earth who first brought me to our Father who is in heaven. He taught me that God was holy and that we must be working on holiness ourselves. And for Dad, especially those of you who knew my father, for Dad, that was not religious talk. That was just regular practical stuff about life. We must be working on holiness. By his life of service, Dad taught me that what we say we see about heaven, we must be going forth and doing here on earth. What we say we see, we must do. It must be practical. Though I saw him work a second job to get this ungrateful adolescent son through the university, he never laid a guilt trip on me about it. He was grateful for all things. I never saw him fail to pause and give thanks for a cup of coffee, for an apple, or for a cookie. And the bread that he provided so faithfully to us, the bread which he always said the Lord provided, that bread always seemed to multiply. He always forgave. He always made excuses for my inattention toward him. And gracious always, especially at the last, every time I walked through the door, he celebrated our time together as if it was a great holiday. At times, it seemed that mom was there too, and I know this is true because dad told me she was. When I would apologize for not coming by, he would say, oh, I've just been here with mom. 
the veil was very thin, the veil. The icon that I have of my dad hanging in my heart, in the inner place of my heart, and there is an icon of my father in the inner place of my heart. It will encourage me to imitate it, to demand of myself to be like him as long as I have breath. Yet despite the promise of the family icon that he gave me, despite the family promise of the icon that we all bear that came from our Father in heaven, somehow the parable of the prodigal son always stings me deeply. It stings me because I know that the prodigal is someone like me. He's not somebody else. He's not the one sitting on the gutter, on the curb by the gutter. The prodigal is like me. There are those who have their prodigality very clearly on the outside so that we smug ones can walk by and say, aha, the prodigal, I thank you that I am not like him. And there are those of us, if, if we are blessed, who know that our prodigality is somewhere much deeper than on the veneer. Our prodigality is much deeper. Everything we have in this life, even the life itself, even the very life, the breath that we breathe, we got from our Father who is in heaven. We took it from him, and we hardly ever thank him for it. He planned for us to be with him at that table that we so seldom turn toward, that we so seldom are drawn to. He planned for us to be with him in the company of all the angels. But how many times do we stay on the street in an alien land in the company of pigs? Choosing the ways of pigs, eating the food of pigs, grunting like pigs, wallowing like pigs. Forgive me if my metaphor is a little heavy, but it's the fact. And we all know it. We all know that we turn so seldom to our Father's house and so quickly to the amusements of this world. Not a very pretty picture, this one. Yet we know somehow in the telling of this parable this morning, as we move toward Great Lent, we see how brutally clear our need is for Great Lent. And if we are given the grace to see ourselves truly in this moment, we will weep at the mess we've made. We won't want to stay here. And a fire of desire to change may be kindled within us. A spark from the Holy Spirit, a spark of sudden illumination, of intuition, of insight, a spark that we couldn't find the matches to light anymore for, but it comes to us in the pig pen from the Holy Spirit. Does the Holy Spirit come to the pig pen? You bet your life he does. And sometimes he comes there and ignites a fire in the, in the heart of the prodigal. The hunger and the thirst and the burning that you will feel in your belly this Lent 
may somehow wake you, may somehow motivate your heart to begin the journey back to your father's house. That is the purpose of being in a famine, if you will. It is not to punish us. It is to make us come to our senses. To begin a journey back to our father's house. To begin a journey down an old familiar street to turn into an old familiar driveway and go to a table that we know. That journey is Lent, and it's the journey that we're about to begin together. And we are on this one together. In Lent, we're headed home together. And rigorous though Lent may be with fasts and longer prayers, we are encouraged to set out with light step. Our step will be light in the remembrance of the table where we have been. Our step will be light in the knowledge that we know that our Father is there. That is why the picture, the icon, if you will, of the Father running to meet the prodigal, that one that we just heard in the Gospel, is the very central image of, of what we are being taught today. Let that icon burn into your heart. Keep it there. Listen. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. What might look like that? When we come forward to confession and the priest covers our head with a stole, we are the prodigal who has returned. And that clothing, that putting on of a robe, that putting on of a robe over the head of a prodigal comes before the dinner, comes before the great feast. And when we put that robe, when we have that robe upon us, we know that we are prepared for the great dinner and we enter it with an even greater joy, certainly a greater peace. In the blessing of our Father's embrace, the return of a child, there is the greatest joy. Those of us who have seen the return of a child know that great joy, that great rejoicing. I see it today, and I want to be right there. I don't want to be elsewhere. I don't want to be in a pig pen. I want to be there. Do you want to be there? then get up and move. Rise up, move. Lent is not a time to be sitting down. Maybe a time to fall down, doing a prostration. But it's not a time to be sitting down very much. If we will only rise up and start to move this Lent, then from the very front porch of heaven, the Father will see our movement. He will see us from afar off. He will see us on the road, and he will send his angels to attend to us along the way, to support us, to comfort us, to encourage us on that journey. And he'll run to meet us when we come near to the gate. Even when we were in the bottom of the pigsty, and there are some of us here, some of us up here even, some of us throughout, for whom that 
place is a painful memory that we dare not go back to. Even in the pigsty, the bottomless love of our Father is always drawing us home, inexorably pulling us in with like a tractor beam, pulling us toward him in a way that we really can't resist unless we do something really stupid, like turning our back on it. His love draws us ho homeward, and it is more powerful than all of our sins put together. We put them all together in a bucket. His love is more powerful. The table that he's prepared for us will satisfy and delight more than the pig slop of our sins could ever do. And when we return to the table in our Father's house, he restores to us the inheritance that we thought we'd lost. We may have thrown it away, but he kept enough of it and preserved enough of it and kept it in a place where it drew interest and was protected, not just FDIC insured like some of our retirements. He kept it in a place where, where moth and rust could not get to it, where our sins could not get to it. He kept it, and he increased it. I love the passage in the prophet Joel where he says, I shall restore to you the years that the locust is it, has eaten. If the locust has eaten some of your years, the Lord can restore them. He can give back to you and give back better. Now, for some of us who lost a few years, that's a real encouragement. The Lord doesn't just save you. He restores what was lost along the way. He saved our inheritance for us. And when we repent and return, he does not receive us as second class. He does not constantly give us a reminder, oh well, I knew you when. He does not give an edge to us. Do we act thusly to those who come to our place in repentance? We must. Especially we who are fathers. We better act that way towards sons who come back. He receives us like his firstborn. Did you notice that? The father welcomes us back home, the father welcomed the prodigal back home like he welcomed the firstborn. Our father in heaven welcomes us back home like he welcomes his only begotten son, Jesus. The father is waiting to welcome you. Take that journey. How great are the mysteries of grace and kind love of this father who is our God of this God who is our Father. Let us rise up and journey home toward him. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.